This episode of On the Record is brought to you by Walterside Powertrain Group, a global industry leader for highly engineered, mission-critical powertrain systems and complete in-service support for the world's leading off-highway and industrial equipment manufacturers. I'm Executive Editor Kim Schmidt. Welcome to On the Record. Here's an update on what's currently impacting the ag equipment industry. The major farm equipment manufacturers have turned to leasing machinery to offset declining demand for their equipment. According to an October Wall Street Journal report, more than one-third of the finance purchases of deer high-horsepower tractors and construction equipment are being leased to farmers and builders. Leasing levels are about double the rate they were in 2012 when the U.S. farm equipment market was booming because of high crop prices. The report also pointed out that more than 40% of the high-horsepower tractors CNH has sold annually in the U.S. since 2014 have been leased, up from 25% in 2012. High levels of lease returns contributed to bloated used equipment inventories for dealers following a drop-off in new equipment sales started in 2014. Deere says it has taken steps to avoid a replay of that scenario. During a conference call with analysts following the release of its fiscal year 2019 fourth quarter earnings, John Lagerman, Deere's Senior Vice President of Ag and Turf Sales and Marketing, said, although the overall used equipment market continues to be quite stable, our lease return rates remain at elevated levels. At the same time, we've taken actions to reduce our matured lease inventory. First, we've adjusted lease residual values to better reflect the current environment. Next, we've announced changes to our leasing program that will include a risk-sharing mechanism with our dealers to ensure alignment. And lastly, we will realign our performance and incentive structures in order to increase dealer collaboration in our collective remarketing efforts. He noted this will enable us to better leverage the strength of our dealer organization by allowing them to control the inventory in their own area of responsibility. This in turn will will also support the evolution of promoting production systems versus individual products because they can better manage their customers' trade cycles. This week's dealers on the move include SNH Farm Supply and Elif Motors. New Holland dealer SNH Farm Supply announced plans for a new location in Branson, Missouri. This will be the fifth location for SNH. Elif Motors announced it is building a new Kubota dealership in Harlingen, Texas. Now here's Jack Zemlicka with the latest from the Technology Corner. Thanks, Kim. The logic of bigger is better with ag machinery comes with operational and economic considerations. Farmers have to weigh the efficiency of covering more acres with the cost of purchasing larger equipment. So at what point will ag machinery outgrow its investment value? It may be sooner than you think, says Cambridge, Illinois farmer Monty Bottens, who suggests that the advancements in equipment automation and robotics could change the equipment purchasing model. Bottens was part of a farmer panel that participated in Ag Equipment Intelligence's 2020 Executive Briefing Virtual Summit. He shared his thought process on a movement toward farming as a service and away from the traditional buying and trading of large ag equipment. So as a farmer, I look at how much loss in depreciation I get. It's really getting to a point where it isn't worth it. So can we have robotic harvesters, robotic planting equipment come in and we pay because you know, when I look at pricing out a lease tractor right now, $33,000 a year for 450 hours, and I look at the number of acres that's going to run over, and it's like, huh, you know, that's $16, $15 an acre. Okay, well, that $15 an acre 
now I got to put an implement on that kind of stuff. So can I go ahead and just pay a service to come in $35 an acre, plant my crops and done in robotic. I think that's the way we got to look at is farmer don't need to buy a tractor. Farmer needs a crop. Okay. So we got to think about the end goal. I want healthy soil. I want maximized yield with maximized profit. Okay. If I have to buy a tractor today to do it, I'll buy that tractor. Tomorrow, if I don't have to buy that tractor and I can just lease or hire or rent somebody to do that, you know, that requires less capital and less of a balance sheet. You can learn more about the 2020 executive briefing and how to access archived recordings from the virtual event at agequipmentintelligence.com. Back to you, Kim. Thanks, Jack. So far, $10.3 billion of the $14.5 billion of USDA's 2019 market facilitation program has been paid out to farmers. According to AgriPulse, the Ag Agency will decide in January whether to issue the third part of the program. But there's no guarantee that farmers will see the other $4 billion or so of the payments designed to compensate those impacted by trade disputes. This is because the recent U.S.-China trade agreement, which reportedly includes between $40 to $50 billion in agricultural purchases, could result in USDA holding off on issuing the third tranche of the program. Ashish Gupta, analyst with Stevens, said in a note, With a phase one trade deal announced, we wonder if Deere's guidance, down 5% for fiscal year 2020, will end up being conservative, or if the lack of market facilitation payments will end up being a headwind in 2020. A potential third payment could occur in January, getting farmers to the $14.5 billion budgeted. However, farmers may not receive any other payments in 2020. Former USDA chief economist Joseph Glauber estimates U.S. farmers will have a $10.7 billion net income benefit in 2019. We do not believe Chinese purchases will be enough to offset lost MFP, said Gupta. If there are no further payments, we worry 2020 U.S. large ag could end up being worse than down 5% that Deere projected. Gupta also noted that as of December 16th, China had not confirmed that they would make the $40 to $50 billion in agricultural purchases. Whether net income from MFP, crop receipts, PLC, or ARC payments, we think farmers use net income to buy equipment, said Gupta. We believe profitable farmers are potential equipment buyers looking to shield taxes, regardless of the source of income. Thus, with the removal of MFP, we think there's a downside risk to current equipment demand forecasts. According to USDA's Economic Research Services, most recent report, the 2019 forecast for net cash farm income is $119 billion. But the Farm Credit Administration says, based on the USDA's historical forecast accuracy, farm income could be as low as $115.1 billion or as high as $136.2 billion. Ag Equipment Intelligence got an exclusive interview with Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts while touring the Klaus Harzwinkel factory in Germany. He was there as part of a trade delegation. The purpose of the trip was to recruit German companies that may be interested in doing business in the U.S. to do so in Nebraska. Ricketts says the relationship the state has with Klaus adds credibility to those discussions. According to Ricketts, ag and manufacturing are the top two industries for Nebraska, and he adds that they have the best, second-to-best regulatory environment in the states. Workforce is a big concern for manufacturers, and Ricketts says the state is putting a large focus on developing its workforce. We're working on workforce. Uh, we've been expanding our registered apprenticeship training like you heard here today. That program with the state of Nebraska and the U.S. Department of Labor, uh, we've increased that by 44% since 2016. 
Uh, in fact, now we've got 4,700, over 4,700 people participating in that program. And then we just launched this year the ICAT program. That's the three-year one that Klaus and Grapel are doing with those two German companies in conjunction with the German-American Chamber of Commerce. And now we'll be looking to expand that to other American companies in our state as well. So one of the concerns that companies have is, where do I get the workforce? We've got the best people in the world. We talk to them about how we're developing them. We've got other programs too, like our Developing Youth Talent Initiative, which is a grant program that starts off uh, where we get companies to work with company, uh, schools in seventh and eighth grade. So starting with those 12 and 13 year olds, exposing them to the careers that are available in manufacturing, that then they can follow through with a career academy in high school, get the dual education with community college, and then take that on in either to like an ICAP program, apprenticeship type program, maybe it's a certification program for welding, maybe it's a two-year degree at one of our community colleges. They can start earning that credit in high school, get that leg up in that post-secondary education so they can take these great jobs we've got available. These programs that Nebraska is working on are also benefiting dealers who are facing similar workforce challenges. Students who go through these classes and certifications are being shown there is a career path for them. Ricketts adds that other states, particularly in the Midwest, are starting similar initiatives to ensure people are prepared for these types of jobs. He says getting a correctly trained skilled workforce for hire is a key competitive advantage. More ag equipment dealers believe cold, wet weather that resulted in later than normal planting season or prevented planting altogether had a bigger impact on their business this year than did ongoing trade wars. But both clearly impacted ag machinery sales in the past year in the eyes of the dealers. This is according to the responses of about 150 dealers who responded to a survey by investment banking firm Stiefel. Overall, weather issues outweighed trade issues in their effect on farm machinery sales in the past year. Some 51% of dealers said delayed plantings definitely impacted new equipment demand in 2019. Another 30% said weather had some level of impact, while 19% felt it didn't have much of an impact. The trade war with China and other trade issues definitely impaired ag equipment sales in the past year, according to 39% of dealers. Another 38% believe trade disputes had some level of impact, while 23% believed it did not have much of an impact. On average, deer dealers felt that the trade war and delayed plantings had less of an impact on new equipment demand compared to CNH Industrial and ACO dealers. Slightly less than 30% of deer retailers reported a definite impact on their business levels from the trade disputes that were prominent in the past year. This compares to 42% of Case IH and New Holland dealers and the same percentage of ACO dealers. More than 40% of deer dealers reported that delayed planting definitely had a significant effect on new equipment demand in 2019. At the same time, 55% of CNH industrial and ACO dealers believe weather conditions that created problems for farmers getting their crop in the ground had a definite impact on equipment sales for the year. And now from the Implement and Tractor archives. The early part of the 20th century saw exponential growth in the number of U.S. tractor manufacturers. In 1909, there were just nine companies manufacturing tractors in the U.S. That number peaked at 186 in 1921, and by 1928 had dropped back down to 51. Today, there are arguably only three U.S. tractor companies remaining, John Deere, CNH Industrial, and ATCO. As always, we welcome your feedback. You can send comments and story suggestions to kschmidt at lestermedia.com. From all of us at Ag Equipment Intelligence, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.